The People's Constitution, the path to empowerment of Australians in a 21st century democracy by Bronwyn Kelly. Read by Bronwyn Kelly. Chapter 7, Part 3. Creating a public square for a national people's voice. The public square in which this polyphonic voice can be developed is a single open space on the internet. But this space will need to be organised, equipped and skilfully supported so that it can safely function as a transparent and freely accessible mechanism that allows democracy to thrive on a much wider scale than has been possible to date. A fully inclusive scale where the diversity of the Australian community is not just protected but is appreciated and capitalised on. In that regard, we will need a process for assembling the voice that reduces the possibility of exclusion as much as possible. Otherwise, we cannot be confident that the voice reflects the diversity of the people. We will also need to maintain the independence of the voice, by which I mean it will need to be administratively supported in a manner that ensures it is actually the people's voice and has not been captured by political parties or corporations. This means we will need to create a new type of democratic process for the purpose of composing the voice, recognising that this particular type of voice will be an integration of diverse voices. That process needs to be something all Australians can use to express their aspirations for the future, understand the aspirations of others, and build an optimised strategic roadmap towards realisation of all these diverse aspirations. Many Australians may not realise it, but that type of process is already operating in some states in Australia at the level of local governance. It is called Integrated Planning and Reporting, or IP&R, a title which sounds more dryly esoteric than it actually is. Integrated planning and reporting at the local government area level is simply a way of assisting everyday Australians to engage in public debate and policy development for the purpose of building a plan for the best future they can imagine for their particular community. It is a system whereby local councils are required under the law in certain states to engage with and support their communities to help them build their own distinct long-term plan for the future they want and to hold their elected councils accountable for their particular parts of that plan. Communities are also enabled in this legislation to work with their councils to figure out how best to fund their plan. A distinctive feature of this system is that it is the communities that own their plan, not the elected councils and the plans form a type of social contract between the electors and the elected in the local government area. Originating legislation for integrated planning and reporting was established in New South Wales in 2009 and was eventually mirrored to varying degrees in most other states of Australia. In New South Wales, the legislation included quite specific guidelines for the structure of the new long-term plans that each community could build. These guidelines also set minimum standards for compliance with the integrated planning and reporting process itself and for community engagement on the plans. 
During the first decade of the operation of the New South Wales laws, the standard of performance and compliance with the legislation varied from year to year and across different councils, and the standards set in the New South Wales Government guidelines have themselves been varied since the introduction of the framework. But throughout the decade, the overarching intention of the legislation was faithfully maintained. The community remained the centre of the planning process, and electors were given more power to influence the agenda for their council areas. In 2022, consistent with this overarching intention, the New South Wales Office of Local Government's Integrated Planning and Reporting webpage stated that, quote, In essence, the IPNR framework begins with the community's, not council's, aspirations for a period of at least 10 years. It includes a suite of integrated plans that set out a vision and goals and strategic actions to achieve them. It involves a reporting structure to communicate progress to council and the community, as well as a structured timeline for review to ensure the goals and actions are still relevant. Unquote. Since its inception, local IPNR has proved on the whole to be a very successful reform in terms of its original objectives. Despite the fact that the quality of implementation has not been uniform across all the states, wherever it has been implemented, it has drawn local community members into a more active and deliberative role in their own governance and in designing what well-being really means for them. It has helped them to increase their influence on how public funding is raised and spent. It has established a means of sustainable long-term financial and public asset planning. And it has provided communities with a means of monitoring whether the councils are delivering whatever the residents have said they want over the long term. That last benefit arising from the fact that the process concentrates as much on reporting as it does on integrated planning, provides communities with a means of holding elected councillors accountable to a degree and level of transparency that had not been possible until the reforms. With IPNR, an extra strength was added into the process of local democracy. Accountability was and still is available at the ballot box in local government elections. But in addition to that, it is now possible for electors to access verifiable data about the performance of a council in relation to a community's preferred agenda and send stronger, transparent messages and instructions about what the elected councillors are actually accountable for. That degree of specificity had always been absent in Australia's governance and in its cycle of democratic elections. With the advent of IPNR, it need be absent no longer at least at the local governance level. Additionally, because the IPNR process includes an element of long-term financial planning integrated with plans which describe the social, environmental and governance objectives of a given local community, it actually offers those communities a better chance than they have ever had, not just to build the sort of future they really want, but to build it at the lowest long-run cost. It offers this chance by virtue of the fact that it adjusts the power arrangements that have pertained in the Australian system of representative democracy, switching it from top-down governance 
to bottom-driven planning and partnership. Power is shared more evenly because the IPNR process changes, indeed creates, the terms of trust on which power is granted or renewed through elections. No longer does power come without any indication of restrictions or instructions, but rather for specified purposes. Long-term community plans roll over two or three terms of a council. They must be reviewed after each election, but their specified purposes can only be amended through a further rigorous process of community engagement. This requires a dialogue between councils and communities, which runs generally as follows. 1. Councillors ask their communities what they would ideally like to achieve as a community and for their local amenity and life quality over a minimum of 10 years, not just one term of office of an elected council. 2. Electors state their aspirations for the type of society, environment, lifestyle, quality and governance they want. 3. Councillors then tell them how much that will cost over the decade in terms of service provision and asset management and whether there is a shortfall in the council's financial resources for that purpose. 4. If there is a shortfall, a dialogue commences about options for either reducing aspirations or raising funds to meet them. 5. Electors state their final preferences for the future and the degree to which they are prepared to fund that future, as well as the method of funding it, be it more by taxes or increases in other forms of revenue generation, or a combination of both. This sequence of dialogue, specifically designed as it is to enable orderly collaboration in development of a viable, financially sustainable, long-term plan, is a fundamental shift in the roles played by electors and the elected in democracy. Not only does it give communities a role for the first time, it also gives them a highly influential and productive role because they are not limited at the outset in what they can and can't choose to want and do. This is not a process by which councillors tell communities what they can and can't have. Instead, the dialogue that occurs under local IPNR starts in an entirely different place. It starts with communities telling councillors what they do and don't want. From that starting point, the dialogue leads the parties, that is, the electors and the elected, into a further agreement designed to give confidence to all that, one, safe paths and strategies to achieve the expected future have been chosen through meaningful and respectful consultation, two, a relevant measurement framework will be available to assess changes in well-being under the plans. And three, expected long-run costs to achieve targets are not only as low and sustainable as they can be, but that the cost burden itself will be shared in an optimal, efficient and fair manner across all sectors of the community and between existing and future generations. In short, the IPNR dialogue broadens and deepens the terms on which trust is being vested in elected councils. It also fundamentally changes the relationship between the electors and the elected for the better. It replaces top-down, short-term, purely political agenda setting 
with a process of agenda setting through a collaboration of mutually respectful partners. It also qualitatively changes the terms in which the agendas themselves are framed and delivered, adding in explicit instructions about what is being bought, what is being willingly foregone, how the final mix is to be financed, who shall bear the burdens and various obligations, and how benefit is to be distributed or shared. IPNR introduces a new deal between electors and local governments, and this new contractual format is built on terms which transparently link or integrate the social with the fiscal. By this integration, they establish a social contract that is quite specific in its terms. Of course, governments have offered new deals or social contracts or agreements or accords in the past. The difference with IPNR is that communities can, to a large extent, craft the terms of the deal and have a tighter method of holding those they elect to account for delivery of what they have agreed to fund and to fund in a particular way. In this arrangement, tax revenue is in the elector's gift and control. It is not the property of a government. That shift in control over the purse strings is a remarkable microeconomic reform offering previously unavailable opportunities for efficiency and effectiveness in policy development and distribution of resources, financial and non-financial. It also offers new opportunities for efficiency and effectiveness in the operation of democracy itself. Obviously, the shifts in roles, powers and control described above only pertain if, and for as long as, the parties honour the deal in good faith, which some with vested interests are unlikely to do if the public interest, as represented by the deal specified in the community-built integrated plan, does not favour them as much as they would wish. Nevertheless, the intent of IPNR is to draw electors and the elected together in such a way as to enable the community to assemble their preferred agenda and the council to assemble and finance the provision of its services in support of that agenda. In effect, IPNR offers councils and communities a way to relate to and respect each other that is more likely to result in a financially sustainable pathway to the community's preferred level of well-being over the long term, not just for a short period of time. Services necessary for the preferred level of well-being are reliably and affordably secured. IPNR also improves efficiency in decision-making simply by setting out the purposes of power. It clarifies the public interest and the preferred direction of the community and ensures that everyone knows what they are accountable for. The agreements reached through IPNR, especially in aligning the social with the fiscal, create new types of partnerships which are likely to be more productive because they are based on a clear sense of the benefit every partner will obtain if they honour their part of the deal. Overall, it is evident that in its first decade of operation, IPNR in New South Wales has functioned well as an experiment in a new arrangement of power and transparent accountability, building on the good faith presupposed by the legislation 
that elected councils will both duly implement the legal requirements for community engagement and honour the outcomes from that engagement as expressed in the community's plan. This flows to a large extent from the reporting component of the IPNR process, which ensures either that councils do honour the deal or that electors will be able to see the extent to which they have not honoured it and hold them to account at the ballot box. On the whole, IPNR has emerged as a very healthy aid to local decision-making and one which is highly efficient. Because involvement in the integrated planning part of the IPNR process is neither seriously time-consuming nor elitist for anyone wishing to increase their influence in decisions about their community's future, in other words, because it facilitates inclusion of the time poor in a practical and orderly cycle of community futures planning, IPNR speeds up a community's progress toward their preferred future. In Australia, this efficiency is fortunately coincident with a rise in appreciation of the value of localism, meaning a rise in appreciation of the benefit of making decisions on what is best for a community at the level of that community. A localist approach differs markedly from the paternalistic or insensitive interventions in local affairs, often favoured by various federal and state governments, for instance, in regional and indigenous communities in Australia. Over the decade 2022, Australians witnessed an array of heavy-handed and even cruel and discriminatory interventions from distant authoritative levels of government, that is, state and federal governments, authorities that are essentially disconnected from local concerns and expertise and have far less skill than local councils and community groups in organising solutions that actually suit a local culture and circumstance. The evidence is that these federal and state interventions are inclined to fail. Federal interventionist approaches to Indigenous disadvantage in Australia, for instance, have failed to close the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians in almost every measure. By contrast, locally organised community-driven initiatives which capitalise on local expertise, particularly Indigenous expertise, have been credited with success and these self-guided collaborations now set the benchmark for effective and more lasting problem-solving and service design in regional and remote areas of Australia. The rise of IPNR, just at the time when support for localism is growing, offers the possibility of a boost to the effectiveness of localism, inasmuch as IPNR provides an orderly and very efficient process by which local communities can organise self-governance and affordable delivery of their preferred future. If anything can be reliably concluded from the local IPNR experiment in Australia, it is that the more local communities learn how to use the opportunity of IPNR, the more likely they are to move sustainably towards their preferred future rather than away from it. That said, it is also likely that even if local communities master the art of beneficent social contracts through IPNR, any advances arising from those plans are still likely to be lost or reversed if the art of good-faith social contracts and plans is not mastered at the national level. Almost 
every aspect of a well-made local plan can be undone by bad faith and incompetence at the national level, especially in economic management, in suboptimal distribution of national wealth and in unethical behaviour on the national and international stage. That being so, and bearing in mind the success of local IPNR, a new and irresistible question now arises. Can the concepts and processes of integrated planning and reporting be adapted and applied effectively at a national level to avoid the risk of federal government actions undermining local achievements and also to improve the quality of federal engagement with and accountability to the Australian community? New research and experimental programs applying the lessons from a decade of operation of IPNR strongly suggest that the answer to this question is yes. IPNR serves as a model by which we may create a well-functioning national public square. In fact, the experiment of IPNR has already been adapted by experienced IPNR practitioners to become national IPNR, and in this adapted form is being tested to assess whether a scaled-up process of IPNR can work efficiently to open up participation for all Australians in their democracy at the national level. Pilot testing of this adapted system of integrated planning and reporting for use at the national level was commenced by Australian Community Futures Planning, ACFP, in 2020. In the following section, I will outline how IPNR has been adapted for that purpose and is working well in these trials to provide a model for the process we may enshrine in the Constitution for a national people's voice. It is working well to enable orderly and efficient participation in an open public square to develop a long-term integrated plan for the nation. It is working well to position Australians so that they can do something with their democracy that has hitherto proved impossible, creating a full-scale democracy that need no longer exclude the voices of its electors.